Broadcasting live from Business Radio X Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Learning Insight. Featuring learning professionals, improving performance to drive business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights brought to you by our good friends at Training Pros. Lee, this is going to be a fun segment. Please join me in welcoming back to the Business Radio X microphone after way too long, Talent Development Manager with the Waldinger Corporation, Mr. Paul Smith. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back again. Well, Paul, before we get too far into things, can you kind of update our listeners on the Waldinger Corporation? How are you serving, folks? Sure. Uh, the Waldinger Corporation is basically a mechanical contractor company, a subcontractor, if you will. We What we like to say is that we don't build the buildings, but we put the guts in the buildings, um, do the, the duct work, the piping, the electrical things on commercial and governmental projects, those kind of uh, projects. Uh, we're, we're a large entity in the Midwest over multiple states. We also have a service division of the company that doesn't really do the construction part of things, but they do a tremendous amount of, of service and support for restaurants, hotels, those kind of things. And that's really big down in the southeastern United States, several states in, in that neighborhood of the country. Uh, so we're, we're spread out a little bit everywhere. And that kind of leads us to what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we're going to be talking about structured on-the-job training. Can you tell us a little bit about mm -hmm. that? Uh, sure. Yeah, I, I I love talking about it. So, <laughs> uh, structured on the job training. It, so some people sort of dismiss it, and they they think that oh, it's just a fancy way of talking about you know someone you know doing on the job training stuff. But uh, the real emphasis here is that first word, the structured on the job training, because what structured on the job training deals with, or SOJT as as the acronym uh, used for it is, what it deals with is saying okay. We know that people learn most of what they're going to actually use as knowledge while actually doing the job. They, they, they learn while they're working, while someone is, is advising them, someone's guiding them through the process, and, and they're getting a chance to experience firsthand to do it. Uh, and, and we know that that is how most people, the, the large majority of people learn how to do things. And yet, we tend to leave that up to chance. We, we, we are very focused and very structured in how we put together classroom training. We're very structured and very focused in how we put together online training that we let the learner go and use themselves. But then we, we sort of treat the on-the-job part as what happens after training is done, when in fact that on-the-job experience is where they're going to learn the lion's share of the knowledge, skill, and wisdom that they're going to use to be successful in the job. And so we just kind of leave that up to chance. Well, structured on-the-job training says, no, that part of the learning experience is way too important. So we're going to put some parameters around that. We're going to put some guidelines around that. We're going to give it some actual focus and some uh, – we're going to be intentional in what we do with those actions so that when someone goes through the on-the-job part, the experiential learning, as it's called, uh, that it is just as intentional and it is just as trackable as anything that's done in a classroom. Now, is that possible in a real-life scenario where, you know, you, you're dealing with real life, so things can change and people can go off mm -hmm. course? Like, you can create an on-the-job on kind of scenario that doesn't feel phony, that it feels real? Yep, absolutely. In fact, uh, that's 
where 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 my interest in this topic really blossomed is the what we've done here at the Waldinger Corporation where we've launched these exact kind of programs for people. The very first one we did was uh to train individuals who who we hired uh out of college with in, say an engineering degree but they wanted to become a project manager. Well, the company was saying that it was taking 5 to 7 years before one of those new people would be trusted with the keys to a multi-million dollar project as a project manager. And what really happened is over that time, we just kept throwing them out into the deep end of the pool. Uh, we'd, we'd throw them out enough jobs um, working with somebody else that hopefully was teaching them some things, but we didn't really know what they were teaching. And then uh, we assumed that after enough time, five to seven years, well, now this person should know what they need to know, and maybe they can be a good project manager when we put them out there. Um, and and you know, that's that's very subjective. Well, so what we put together was a program that said, no, that's not that's too long and that's too random. So we did a program that those individuals now cut that time in, in more than half. It's it's an under three year program. And what they're doing is they're still going out on the job. They're still doing exactly the same things they were doing before, but we took time, a lot of time up front, to identify what are called, what I call measurables, the, the actual skills that define uh, the, the skill and knowledge of that specific role. And then what happens is we give that list, and for that role, again, I said it's like a three-year program. For that role, there was 400-some measurables, <laughs> but nobody expects them to do it all at one time. That's why it's a, a, a multi-year program. But uh, that list of measurables identifies the key skills, the key knowledge areas that we say some, someone needs to know if they're going to be a competent project manager in that specific case. And so those individuals – they now have this list of all these things they're going to learn and the project manager that's working with them, the, the, the knowledgeable senior veteran person, they also have this list and they go through these things with the learner. And as the learner demonstrates that they can do these things, they, that they can repeatedly do these things, that they have demonstrated their competency in the topics, then that mentor signs off. But it has nothing to do with the specific project that they're working on. It has nothing to do with um, you know uh, what 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 that mentor may be feeling like that that day, or or you know what other what other um, dynamics come into play that often will derail a standard on the job training program. In this case, where we've identified those those things that transcend any of the circumstances and they focus on the skill and knowledge to be demonstrated that that individual can show competence in. And then that becomes the heart and soul of the structure on the job training program. And these skills are not subjective. These are kind of measurable, you know, objective skills. Yep, exactly. In fact, in fact, in order for them to be able to be on the list, they have to be something that that can be observed. Uh, so, for example, um, it could be something like they can successfully complete such and such template, um, you know, a Word or Excel document that we may have our templates. OK, but the point is there's an output. There's 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 a document that that their mentor can review and say, yes, you feel this incorrectly. Uh, it could be something like they uh, they have to be able to successfully facilitate such and such meeting uh, or that, uh, you know, under the safety category that they're able to successfully uh, account for where the crane will need to be, uh, that, that the safety parameters are all taken care of, where a crane is going to be put. But all of, all of the things on the list are things that have to be able to be observable in some fashion or another so that the mentor can validate, yes, indeed, they did this thing. 
And it's not something so, it's not something that they're saying, okay, that safety um, activity, we're going to work on that today. So I'm going to be watching you to make sure you do it. It's just during the course of the them getting more and more um, kind of work experience, they would have done it. And then the mentor just checks a box that say that they were able to do that. Well, it, it it can it can work a couple of ways. Uh, like like again, for for um, for the example of to 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 keep consistent with the example of the project manager one, um, those individuals, uh, the 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 learner and the mentor, they when they initially get paired up, they will sit down and and they will go through the list. Uh, obviously, as a learner goes through um, the the program, they're going to get stuff signed off. And so, uh, as as they get assigned to work with a new mentor, that mentor will sit down and say, "Okay, so where are your gaps still? Where where do you still have things that you need to accomplish?" And based on that, the the project manager of that project will look at that list and say, "Okay, well, I can tell you that on this project, we're going to be doing some of this stuff and some of this stuff and some of this stuff that you don't have sign-offs for. So we're going to target those things." And and however that that list is determined between the two of them, they will start with a with a targeted list of here are the specific measurables we're going to work on, and then that mentor is responsible for providing whatever instruction that individual needs to know how to do this, but then more importantly, providing them the experience to do it multiple times, and that may initially involve that mentor observing them very closely, depending on what it is, to make sure that they do it correctly or safely or whatever. But then there's a point where that mentor just lets them do it and then evaluates what they've done afterwards to confirm that they were able to do it self-sufficiently on their own. Because again, the 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 point is to not just say, I talked to the person, to the trainee, and we covered this information and check, we did that. The point is for that mentor to say, I am putting my name on the line that I am validating that individual is competent in doing this specific task. Right. It's and not that so they've done it one time, that they nope. can do the task. Yep. It, it has to has, There has to be an element of consistency. Right. Now, so then the big difference in structured on-the-job training versus just on-the-job training, the structure is this intentional, mindful kind of uh, understanding that th this is all the, that we need you to accomplish at the end of all this training, and we're going to just methodically go through all of these steps as opposed to on-the-job training is, hey, you do this for five years, you should have it all, but we don't even know what those <laughs> things are. Well, and, and what often happens with, you know, I mean, we chuckle about it, but the reality is that what often happens in a, in a regular on-the-job program is, again, somebody goes through training, they get done with training, quote-unquote, and then we send them out and we say, you know, to, to the experienced person, hey, Tom, here's, here's Joe, Joe's new, Tom, show Joe the ropes, we'll check back on you in six months. And, and we leave it up to poor Tom to figure out what to do with this new person. We don't give him any guidance whatsoever. Tom doesn't have a clue what the new person knows. Tom doesn't really have a clue what he's supposed to show this new person. But, okay, well, I guess we'll just stumble through this together, and as stuff comes up, I'll give you some things to do. Whatever. There, there, it, it's so random and haphazard, but but we, we gloss over it by saying, yeah, but they're getting on-the-job experience. Well, yeah, but is that experience any good? So I have a question about the Toms in this scenario, uh, particularly when you were first getting this thing kind of off the ground. Did the Toms, the mentor managers, did they initially yeah. embrace this idea? Did you get a little bit of resistance or what were those conversations yeah. like? 
Uh, that's a great question because the 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 one of the foundational things, uh, in in my opinion, for putting together this kind of a program is you have to have a great deal of buy-in up front before you're launching the thing. And the best way to do that is when when I'm building these these kind of programs, and this is primarily what I do now at our company is building these programs for various different roles. But when I'm building one of these programs, I will take a, a significant chunk of time to sit down and have 30-minute face-to-face conversation with a wide group of people, almost a 360 kind of approach to it. So individuals who are currently in the role, who have been in it for a long time, individuals who have been in it for a short time, uh, leaders who oversee that role, uh, office staff who supports the role, everybody that comes at it from any any angle whatsoever, because I want to get a really clear picture of what really is going on in that role and what the what the actual needed skills and knowledge are. And but in the course of doing that with each one of those 30 minute interviews, I'm also getting the chance to basically do a sales pitch to that individual I'm talking to explaining the program that we're building and why it's going to be so good so that I'm winning them over onto uh, onto wanting to support the program. I'm able to identify what is it that uh, that that will really appeal to them. And in the case of the the mentor the leaders that you were describing, one of the biggest frustrations that they have is I get a new person dumped on me and every every one of them is different and I don't I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this person. They get frustrated if I give them stuff that they feel like is busy work. Well, I get frustrated if I don't know what to, what to tell them to do. Plus, I get tired of babysitting them all the time. I, I want to be able to say, okay, I think they got that done, but I don't know. And, and, and so when we told them that we were going to give them a, a list of measurable items, it's basically like an a la carte menu of topics to train from. They loved that because now we just took this huge monkey off their back uh, that they don't have to figure out what to do. They can look down through the list and say, oh, you haven't done this yet? Well, we're going to be doing that. Let's have you do that. Uh, and also, one of the other things I loved about the the, the program is we, we put the learner in the driver's seat of of driving the program. It's their development. They own it. So the the mentor has no obligation to track anything. The learner is the one who's responsible for say, going to the mentor and saying, okay, I think I've done this now. Do you agree? And if they don't agree, they, uh, the mentor has an obligation to explain why not, give them, use it as a teachable moment. But if they do agree, then, of course, they'll sign off on the competency. But it's the learner who has to go to the mentor, not the other way around. And the mentors love that because, again, the, it's one less thing they have to worry about tracking, keeping track of. So from their vantage point, we made their life a whole lot easier. Now, when you're building one of these programs from scratch, how do you even go about beginning and saying, okay, because do you have any idea, like when you started the thing that had 400 and some components, <laughs> did you have any idea it was going to be 400 or did you think it was going to be 10 or 100 or 1,000? Like, did you have any idea whatsoever? Yeah, I had, had no idea. The, the very first one, we, we had no idea. And what, what I've discovered since then is that was, that's by far been our biggest one. Um, but, uh, but had no, had no clue what that was going to look like. Uh, what, uh, initially I just started doing the interviews and I started asking questions like, okay, in your opinion, what are the key, the key skills for someone in this role? Uh, in your opinion, uh, what, what are the things that are the most helpful uh, bits of knowledge for someone to have. What what are the things that you wish you would have known sooner uh, in in your in your career? What things do you wish we had documentation on to support you on regular? You know, just asking those kind of basic questions, 
and just asking them again of a lot of different people and then triangulating all of their information together these different things began to show up well then uh we we have uh for for that role the project manager role we have a project manager's manual and i went and looked referenced that and and it had it had some break how it broke down um uh the information in in certain sections and so we thought you know what let's just use those sections as a means of organizing what we're doing here so the two are in alignment and so we took that and then i just it was a matter of, okay, well, these things fit under this section, these things fit under this section, these things fit under that section, and out of there we started mapping it out. Now, it it wasn't just that I talked to these people and dropped these things in. We still had a reviewing process that went through <laughs> it <was> probably uh, four months. <laughs> then it went, went through um, uh, having two levels of leadership going through with a fine-tooth comb and making sure they agreed with everything that was there, that it was not only an accurate list in their opinion, but that also things were worded the way that they that they felt things needed to be worded so that we had the total buy-in of the leadership level as well. And so uh, after that whole thing, I mean, the very first one of these we built, it was almost a two-year process, um, which is a long time, but it was worth the investment because when we finally launched it, Everybody, the mentors, the learners, the leaders, everybody loves it. And that's why that's now my job building more of them. Um. <laughs> now, um, so when you were doing this from scratch and you you had no idea how many parts there were going to be when you were done, at the end, you have a manual in your hand. So what does that – is the manual look mm -hmm. like an encyclopedia? Like what does that manual yeah, look yeah, like? Yeah, the um, – the uh, unfortunately the first ones that we launched we we had no electronic m means of 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 supporting that so they were they were printed the the like the that project manager one so big it was put into a three ring binder uh and and uh each of the pages uh or e each of the the sections it was basically a a simple table format where um uh, we didn't just give them a list of the 400 items that would that would be overwhelming so again they're broken into sections and then within the sections there there are subheadings where where certain things that are that are subgrouped together um it's not like a to-do list or a checklist kind of thing it's just all of these things relate to uh this this certain task and so uh they're all listed under under that heading uh but within that within those tables really it's just here's the measurable item there's the place for the mentor to sign off their name that that the learner demonstrate competency and here's the date that they signed off and that's 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 it and the leader the key part though is that the when you're you're compiling all this this big pile of stuff for them to learn the leadership mm -hmm. has to agree if the person went through all this and had measurably demonstrated you know skill in all of these areas we'd be fantastic with that right that's mm -hmm. the yep. that, that's the outcome the, the you desire that, absolutely and 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 again like i said the the leadership likes the program too because you know the, it used to be uh the, putting somebody into a and again with that same example putting somebody into a project manager role was a very subjective process where it was well you know we need a project manager how about this person well uh they seem to be likable uh they, they haven't had a lot of problems in the projects that they've been part of uh they they you know they see they they everybody seems to get along with them you know well let's give them a shot you know, I mean, it was it, it was kind of that that type of you know, well, you know, everything seems to be okay. Let's get, let's find it. Now they're able to actually say, okay, we need a project manager. 
Who's who's how people come along with the with with their SOJT programs? Well, these individuals have got a lot done. Well, now I'm able their leader is able to take that list, flip through it, and go, okay, yeah, they've got this stuff, got this stuff, you get this stuff, you know, where they've got some gaps. Yeah, that's okay. We can we can deal with that. We can oh, but they don't have this thing. They, they haven't done this thing. They're really going to need that thing to do this project. So now we then in the training department find out, okay priority, get that individual experience on this specific thing because we're going to be moving them into a project manager role. Now, that whole discussion process and that, that whole planning for promotion process is based on on measurable fact as opposed to just, well, I think they're doing okay. And because historically, it's been done by time. Oh, they've been doing it for five years. They're ready for this next mm-hmm. thing, it, like well, there was yeah, an, an assumption that with enough time that they'll you, have it you figured out. It up by now. And yeah. then, so in your um, experience in, in 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 your own company and other companies, how much of this on-the-job training is structured, and how much is just left to chance? Oh, I, almost none of it is structured. <laughs> in fact, the only the only industry that that uh, really can say that that a lot of their uh, on the job training is structured would be healthcare industry, because those trained to become doctors and nurses, they've been doing this kind of thing forever. Uh, you know, that this this is how they do. You know, when you hear about someone doing their 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 internship or their you know whatever the different stages are that they go through, depending on which medical career they're pursuing. This is what it is. You know, they they don't just have checklists that something was talked about with them. They have to demonstrate that you know that they're able to to do the different things, do it successfully, consistently, and competently before they get signed off and they get licensed to be you know healthcare whatever. Um, so that industry they've been doing it quite a bit. But other industries, yeah, we 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 don't. We just we just send somebody out and hope that they're getting the best information that they can. And we, and, you know, a lot of times companies will default to the, to that, that, um, uh, cliche that practice makes perfect, give them enough practice and they'll get it down. The problem is that perfect practice makes perfect bad practice makes bad habits. And those then become really tough to break. And oftentimes a company doesn't like what happens as a result of those. And so the, the standard on the job training approach is a great way to build bad habits because you have absolutely no control or even influence over what is being taught. But in healthcare, it's something that they were um, using this structured methodology structured on the job training methodology because lives are at stake. And I guess in most businesses, you know, you want to do a good job and all that, that stuff, but it isn't life or death at every decision. So you don't have to, Mm -hmm. in their minds, take that much time or care. And you're finding out that by implementing some of or borrowing from some of the healthcare training and creating these structured on the job training, you get a better result in less time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So now, if our, um, if our and list- there are other industries, the military has been doing a sure. lot of structured on the job training things too. So I, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's just the only one, but healthcare is really big in it. Right. Well, it's, it seems like the ones where life and death were in play. It seems like it's more yep. important to create structures <laughs> on the job training. And- well, and here, here's an ex- here's an example, an illustration that that, that I like to share. Uh, when when I was in high school and taking driver's ed. Uh, we, we, we had a class one day on, on changing a, changing a tire on the car. And, uh, I, I came home and, and my dad was asking me what it was. Now, my dad was a police officer. Um, he had a very low opinion of school. Uh, in fact, I, I always joke that I became a teacher because that was my form of being a rebel. 
<laughs> but he, uh, he, he, he always wanted to, to, to find ways to, to demonstrate to me that school wasn't as effective for me as I thought it was. And so he's asking me what it was that I, that I had learned in driver's ed that day. And I said, well, we learned to change a tire. And he asked me how that was done. And I said, well, we watched a video of, of, you know, the tire being changed. We, we got to inspect all the pieces. Uh, we, you know, we got to go out to the car and see where the, where the jack is and stuff. And I get done with my story and my dad says, but did you change a tire? And I said, well, no, the instructor said there were too many of us to first take time to do that. Plus every car was different. And so he didn't want to confuse us by teaching us a different thing. And to which my dad responded with a few choice words of his own and, and explained to me that it was uh, sure you might put the jack in a different place, but you still jack a car up the same way. You still take the bolts off the same way you still there. And so that night I got the chance to change all four tires on our car <laughs> up sure. the driveway. Um, be, because my dad, even though he wasn't, he wasn't a fan of school, he intuitively understood that me sitting in that class and watching a video about it and inspecting the pieces didn't mean anything. I mean, it meant that I had the very basic building blocks to have a shot at knowing how to do it, but I, I did not know how to do it, and I was not competent in being able to do it. But after that night, I was. I uh, got plenty of practice doing it that night because it was the actual doing it with someone guiding and then someone validating that, yes, you've done it right. Congratulations. You're competent. That was the, that was the, 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 the big dynamic there. And in a nutshell, that's what structured on the job training is all about and where it, ex where it excels over just a standard OJT process. And isn't it better to learn when they're, it's a controlled environment rather than when cars are screaming by you at, you know, 60 <laughs> miles an hour? Yeah, and that's the there's first that. time you're figuring out how to do this in real life. Yep, there is that too. Although my dad did, did teach me that uh, the, uh, the, the, the technique about taking the tire and laying it behind you <laughs> so that a car has to swerve to go around the tire and they then don't hit you too. So. <laughs> so now are there any resources for our listeners where they can um, learn how to do this themselves? I mean, I'm sure they're going to want to explore this. Well, you know, there, uh, interestingly enough, there are not a whole lot of resources out there, which is part of the reason why the um, uh, uh, Association for Talent Development, uh, trade association I'm part of, that they they've given me opportunity to speak about this at their last three international conferences, and uh, I just recently finished writing a book with them on on this topic on learning while working, and it comes out in July. And so, if if uh, all this stuff that I'm talking about, uh, it's, it's all it's all in there. Plus, I, I just like when I'm developing these programs, I went out and talked to about 50 other other individuals with companies, uh, big and small, different industries all across the country. In fact, at least one that's outside the country, uh, but all about this information to try to put in there and make it as practical as possible. And so um, if people just go to like td.org slash SOJT, they can, they can find the book there. It comes out in July. And that's called Learning While Working? Learning, and in fact, I, I think it's even out on Amazon and Barnes and Noble too, for that matter. But, um, uh, but the the ATD folks, they you know, you can get it through there. And if someone's an, a member of ATD, they can actually get it for a little bit of a discount. I think like ten bucks off or something. And this book, it kind of uh, takes the reader through the whole process. 
Absolutely. It it actually it's got two pieces. Uh, I would say the book is divided in two ha- two parts, not halves, um, but two parts. One part is really making the case for what is structure on the job training and why it's a value to a business. Because you know uh, there might be an individual who's who's listening to this or hears about it and says, you know, that's a really great idea. How do I convince my my leaders? Well, that's what the first part of the book deals with is lay, helping lay that that foundation. But then the the majority of the book is about going through. The the, the steps, uh, the different elements of, of putting together a good, solid, intentional, structured on-the-job training program. Uh, Paul, before we wrap, could you invest just a couple of minutes, though, in talking through with us this whole idea of return on the investment in something like this? Because I know you and Lee largely talked about, uh, and I'm absolutely convinced, a better we've improved the learning experience with with this. We've improved mm-hmm. the learning, um, but I'm also operating under the impression that you believe and have some probably some evidence that this is just good business. This this has an ROI mm-hmm. attached to it. Can you just speak? to that a little bit before we wrap. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, the the, the first most obvious is like, uh, again, I, uh, I'll use the example again about the project manager one we did. We, we were spending five to seven years uh, training somebody to step into a project manager role. Now we do it in three. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, right, right there, there's a tremendous amount of saving where we've now advanced somebody into that role sooner. We also, uh, in the course of doing that, we, we reduced turnover because we had individuals who would get frustrated about not being able to get into a project management role sooner that would leave and go somewhere else where they thought they'd have more of a chance to do so. Now they have a path to get there sooner. Also, we've actually had individuals who have joined our company because of this plan that we lay before ah. them. That they, they, they look at that and they say that we don't just give them a little, a little patronizing slogan that, you know, we develop our people, whatever, that they, that they actually look at it in the case of those project manager wannabes, that they look at that and say, wow, 400 some things you're telling me you're you're committing to teaching me all of this stuff until I'm competent in it okay where do I sign um, because they they see that as a huge investment in themselves professionally for their own development too um, and that's that's just what we've seen here but in in like I said in in the book I interviewed a whole bunch of other companies and I mean, some of the stuff that they report on was phenomenal. There, uh, one one company, the Pella Corporation, uh, they talk about how it helped break down multicultural barriers because they their their training program was was really take, bring people in, sit them in a classroom for two weeks, and just talk to them. Well, when they had imp, uh, an increase in employees that English was not their primary language, that was a a hurdle for those employees that they weren't able to to connect with that training. And so when when Pella started switching things around and started focusing almost to an exclusively SOJT approach with with uh, the instruction being uh, actually on the assembly line with, and, and somebody walking through the pieces of it while they were doing it, even somebody who English is not their primary language was able to to identify the actual tasks that they were doing and then learn what was being said in that context. And it dramatically reduced their their turnover issues because of that. Um, the healthcare industry folks I mentioned to you before, they, um, uh, GE Healthcare, for example, I talked to individuals there and they said that they get audited all the time because of the nature of their business. Mm-hmm. And uh, it used to be that the, the, the auditors would come in and, and say, okay, uh, what training have these individuals have? And all they could do was present the rosters from the classroom. Even though the bulk of what that individual knew how to do was from on the job, they hadn't been tracking it per se. 
And so now that they have more of a structured approach like this, when those auditors come in, they're able to produce the records that they see, and here's here's what's been happening with these individuals on the job as well, and they're able to bolster that up. Um, there and and there's all kinds of other other things. Uh, the, how it's breaking down, uh, SOG SOJT can help break down silos because uh, people get stuck in one mindset of this is the way I do it here, but when you sit down to make an SOJT program that's for your organization. You, you have to establish what is the way, the the happy path, if you will, for what <laughs> is going on in the company, and and that requires getting all these people who are used to working in their own little silos to come to an agreement on one concept, and that actually puts the 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 training and development team who's working on developing the SOJT program in the, in the seat of helping the organization become more consistent, more universal. Uh, and again, there's there all, all kinds of other other things like that. I, I can keep going on if you'd like me to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we don't have time today, but I always <laughs> want to continue the conversation with you. And everything you just described, uh, I find inspiring, informative, and encouraging like I do every conversation that we have. And I got to say, one of my key takeaways happened there very uh, much toward the end of the conversation. And I'm probably going to play that back to some of our audience uh, again at some point, And I may or may not decide to give you credit, but I love that phrase, happy path. <laughs> happy path. That's a, that's a new phrase uh, for Stone. <laughs> well, Paul, well, I can't take credit for it. I, 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 there was somebody I used to work with it, uh, years ago that, that used to use that phrase a lot. <laughs> well, I absolutely love it and have thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much, Paul Smith with the Waldinger Corporation uh, for spending the time with us and keep up the good work, man. Well, thank you. I, I certainly don't plan on slowing down. <laughs> All right. This is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor. Our guest today is Paul Smith with the Weldinger Corporation and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Learning Insights. 